There was a pastor and his wife who experienced uh, an incredible loss. They lost a young child, and which is just something that many of us can't even wrap our head around, the pain that would be involved with that. And then after that time, they experienced several different infant losses, one after the other after the other. And one of the things they noticed is in their church is when they would talk to people and relate to people, people didn't know what to do with them in the midst of this pain. People didn't know like how to help. People didn't know if they should say something, if they should not say something. Many people avoided them altogether that were close before just because they didn't know what to do. And this pastor and his wife noticed that. They noticed like people don't know how to deal with pain and suffering. And then the ones that would, and, and they, they didn't think of that as like an evil thing. They didn't think of that as something that was terrible against these people. They understood that people just don't know what to do and they don't want to hurt you more, so they tend to back away. Or on the other side, there were people that would come and try to comfort, but knowing not totally what to say, they would say things that weren't very helpful, like, you know, I'm sure God will give you another baby soon. Or maybe people are going to come to know God because you lost your baby. Or God must have known that you could handle this. You see, in the body of Christ, sometimes we don't know how to handle pain. We don't know how to handle suffering, and so we either end up on one side where we don't say anything, or we end up on the other side of the ditch where we say something that's really hurtful. And that's just the reality of where we are, I think, in our culture. We don't do pain well. We don't do suffering well. And that's in dealing with other people. Now, think about how you deal with it yourself. And so many times when we experience pain, when we experience hurt, we either lash out or we withdraw or we do different things. How do we, as God's people, deal with pain? I was thinking about, can you imagine, and again, this is just, you know, generally, there's exceptions to every rule, but imagine if there was a church that knew how to take the pain of this life on earth and connect it so well to the promises and the hope of God. Imagine a church that was able to bring people in, whether you're part of the church or outside the church, and if you're going through an extreme amount of pain, they could carry you by God's grace to God and you could experience his healing and his hope, wouldn't that be an amazing place? That would be a church that would be a beacon on a hill. They'd be like a, a light on top of this uh, mountain overshining a city. The pastor I talked about did a deep study of the book of Psalms. And he saw that what was crazy is you'd think that The people who should know how to deal with pain and suffering and loss and grief and hurt should be the people of God because as he did an intense study in the psalm, he said he saw that God gave us a way as his people to how to take and bring together the pains of this life with the promises of who he is. He gave us a pattern. He gave us a way, and it's called lament. This pastor took all of this study and has experienced this, and he wrote a book called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. And his name's Mark Vrogop. And uh, he showed us that the Bible gives us a clear, healthy way of dealing with suffering, trials, grief, and loss. And that way is called lament. Lament. Some of you may never have heard that term before. But that's the process that God gave his people to deal with it. And in this book, uh, I have to tell you, like, I started reading this book when I was going through a really difficult time in my life, and it was incredible what this book did. 
In fact, this book helped me probably more so than any other book in terms of my quiet times with God because it kind of turned my quiet times with God um, into moments that are not so cerebral, like we read and we pray and we read a devotion, but into a conversation and a relationship. And lament will do that to us. This book has helped me, and, and it prompted me to do this series. As I read this, I, I sensed God saying to do this series because one of the things that I noticed is 2020 was a rough year, amen? We could all say that, and for some of us it was rougher than others. But it was a rough year. And throughout 2020, as I watched our church go through 2020 from February to March to July to August, and I saw all the different reactions, the thing that hit my head is, have I as your pastor equipped the church to handle suffering and difficulty well? Has we at Crossview Church been equipped and trained to deal with suffering? Or do we just assume that we'll get through it? And I wanted to dive into this, and so what came out of that time of reflection and prayer is this series called From Tears to Trust. And we're going to take four weeks and go through the book of Psalms, because we're going to see in these Psalms, in four key Psalms, a pattern of how to deal with life's trials, with life's sufferings, with life's hardships, the way God would want us to. And I want to say from the get-go, it's not just the really, really hard things. Some of us have gone through extreme, horrible loss. But from the extreme, horrible loss to just having a stressful day, this pattern can help you in a godly way bring those two things together. My hope is at the end of this series, we'll be able to do four things. First of all, that we'll have our faith strengthened when we go through times of suffering. So many people say when you go through a hardship, either you run to God or you run away from God. My hope is that we will learn how to lament as a church and it will bring strengthening to our faith. My other hope is that we'll become better followers of Jesus, more devoted to him because we'll be taking our pain to him, we'll be taking our disappointments to him, we'll be taking our stresses to him, and it'll cause a deepening of our relationship. I've found that to be true as I've gone through this process. And finally, that we will be able to care for others who are experiencing suffering in a right way. We're not going to make it go away. We're not going to make them feel better. And that's not our job. But we're going to be able to be with them in the midst of suffering. And we're not going to be afraid of that. We're going to know what to do with that. And so I want to dive in today and give you an overview of this thing called lament. And then each of these next four weeks, we're going to take one practice of lament. Lament is a four-practiced pattern that we see in scripture, and we're going to walk those through. So let's start with what is lament? What does it mean to lament? Lament is how Christians grieve and bring their sorrow to God. Lament is how Christians grieve and bring their sorrow to God to find hope and to find healing. One of the best definitions I found for lament is this one. Lament is the honest cry of a hurting heart wrestling with pain and the promise of God's goodness. Lament is the honest cry of a hurting heart that's wrestling with these two things, the pain of this life and the promises that God is good. As a Christian, we live in those two places. Both those things are true. We live in a world where there's pain and there's heartache and it hurts and it's tough. And, we, and God is also good and trustworthy and can help. And what happens to Christians if they don't know how to lament well, they usually, by and large, not everybody, but by and large, end up in one of these two ditches 
where they'll get stuck in the pain, where it just is so hard. They don't even know that God exists. They're not even looking to God. They're not even turning to him. It's just all this pain, and it shipwrecks their faith, and they have a crisis of faith, and they don't even know God exists anymore. Or they move over to this other side where it's all about this, that God would never uh, let me experience pain. The Christians always have to be happy. We always have to be joyful. We always have to have this look. We never admit there's pain in this life. We never go there. We stay in kind of this fake, surreal place that isn't really real, and God doesn't call us to that either. And so we don't know totally what to do when we experience pain, and that's where lament comes in. It brings both these realities and lets us live there. It lets us live in the place where we feel and experience the hardships of this life and we experience God's goodness and we turn to him and, and uh, and understand that he is trustworthy even in the midst of difficult times. The truth is in a fallen world like ours, Christians are going to experience both these things. And wouldn't a wise and loving and good father, knowing that his children would experience pain, heartache, and hardship in the world they live in, give us a biblical, healthy way to bring those two things together? Isn't that what a good God would do? He doesn't want us to be in that place where we don't know what to do. Do we enter into the pain or do we pretend like it's not there? God says, no, I have something better for you to do. We don't have to be fake people and pretend like it doesn't hurt in order to honor God. So many times Christians have been taught that. Christians have been taught that to be a Christian means you're always happy. You never express hurt because that means a lack of faith. And that's not true. It's fake. We also don't want to avoid the other side where we get so caught up in the pain that we forget that God is real and he's there and he never leaves us and he's good and he's trustworthy. God created us knowing that we would live in this fallen world where we experience pain and he's giving us a way where both pain and his promise can live together and that is called lament. Lament is the place where the pain and the promise live together. It's godly to lament. It's holy to lament. It's good to lament. Lament is how Christians grieve with hope. To cry is human, and it's good. And to lament is Christian, and it's good. Lament is a belief in God. It's when we know that he's merciful. We know that he is good. We know that he is compassion. that he's compassionate. We know these things even when we go through difficult times. You see, lament isn't an escape from reality. It's rooted in good theology. It's rooted in great scripture that shows us that we, even when we, miss, even when we feel and are in the midst of trials and pain, God is good and he is there. It's an expression that says, I know you're real, God even now. And I want to say from the get-go, like I said before, it's not just for serious pain and loss. I have found personally for this, this process of lament has helped me where I don't need to vent to all my friends my frustrations as much anymore. I give those to God. It's a healthy, whole place, and then God designed it. It's a way to make us more like the people he's created us to be. 
Lament is voicing our fears and our struggles while at the same time pointing our hearts towards God. Lament is pointing our hearts towards God without blowing off the fact that this really hurts, that this is really tough. The Bible gives voice to our pain. Isn't that good to know? The Bible gives voice to our pain. Lament gives a person permission to wrestle with sorrow, not just try to rush and make it go away or pretend like it doesn't exist. Many Christians are unfamiliar or uncomfortable with lament, and it makes suffering in the family of God awkward and cold versus compassionate and kind. Lament leads a person to mercy and hope. Lament moves someone from tears to trust. It's critical that we, as the people of God, learn how to lament. And if we haven't learned anything from 2020, it's that. To learn to lament is to learn how to do suffering and hardship well. And it's a critical thing that God wants us to do. Lament is also how we deal with our own sorrow. It's how we bring the things that affect us to God. It's not just about caring for others in our body. It's about how we, inside of ourselves, deal with God. And I have found when you lament with God, it deepens your relationship with God in a way that few things can ever do. Without lament, our relationship with God is affected. Instead of a sweet, vibrant relationship with God, we risk having a relationship with God that's filled with silence and bitterness and resentment and anger. Lament brings us close to God's heart, more so than a conference, more so than another podcast, more so than any other, another, listening to another word. There's nothing wrong with those things, but I'm just saying, don't miss the beautiful blessing of lament and what it will do in your relationship with God. Lament is for those who know the unwelcomed presence of pain in their lives. It's for those who know the unwelcomed presence of pain in their lives. So are you ready to dive in? Are you ready to learn how we lament? I hope you are, because we're going to dive into it right now. I'm going to go over an overview of this thing called lament, and then we're going to look at the first part of it. Throughout the Bible, particularly in the Psalms, we see a four-practiced pattern a four-practice pattern of lament. You know, it's amazing that there are 150 psalms, and 70% of the 150 psalms are considered lament. 70%. And it's amazing to me when we think about how do we not know how to do this as Christians? When 70% of the psalms and much of the scriptures talk about how to bring pain to God and model how to bring pain to God, how did we miss this? I think it's partly how the culture we live in and where we're at, and we don't experience this a whole lot, and what do we do with it? But may God use this to teach us how to deal with this. Lament is not the opposite of praise. Lament is the pathway of giving praise and glory to God. This four-part process we're going to look at each week, and I'm going to start with the first one today, but there's four parts to lament that I kind of want to give you a 30,000-foot view over. The first one is to turn. In lament, there's a turning to God in our pain. You know, it's said that you're either going to get close to God or you're going to run far away from Him when you enter, 
painful times. And lament turns us to God. That's where we start. The next step is a complaint. There's complaint. Now, some of you might say, hey, wait a minute. Doesn't the Bible say we're not supposed to complain? Well, there's different types of complaining, and we're going to get into that next week. But clearly in the Bible, we see complaints happening in these psalms. So we can't say that it, it's void altogether. Complaint clearly and bluntly lays out the reasons for the pain and sorrow. It pours a heart out to God about why we're hurting. The next part is to ask. In the Bible, the person lamenting always makes a request to God for something or for someone. And then finally, in the Bible, every single lament, every single one ends with a statement of trust. You move from tears to trust, and in that process, you're brought closer, and God is with you in the sorrow. That's the whole gift of this thing called lament. The pastor who wrote this book, Mark Vrogop, uh, taught his church how to do this really well. There's something they would go over and over and over, and they would have prayer meetings. In their prayer meetings, they would have times where people could pray prayers of lament. They were going through difficult times. They'd put a chair out and say, if you want to lament, go ahead and do that. And this woman sat in a chair as a staff member's wife, and she sat in this chair, and she prayed a prayer of lament that he wrote down in this book. And in this prayer, I'm going to read it to you. You can watch and see all four of these practices lined out. All right, so I'm going to read it to you, and you kind of watch how these unfold in order. The first one, obviously, she turned to God, and she said, How long, Lord, will you forget about us? How long will you withhold the blessing of a child from us? Now she moves into the complaint. How long will we keep crying to you and begging? How many more days, months, or years will pass with our arms being empty? How much longer will we struggle to rejoice with those who are rejoicing while we sit weeping? Now comes the ask. Please move and do something to help us in this place. And then listen how she ends. For God, we trust you. We trust your steadfast love. Our hearts still rejoice in the fact that you saved us. We will still sing to the Lord because you have been good to us. And we trust in your goodness. Thank you, Father. She voiced her deep sorrow. At the same time, she reaffirmed her trust. She wept, she remembered, she sobbed, she trusted, she lamented. It's the process of lament. We see it right there. It's a process that brings healing. And now I want to go through the first part of these four practices, and that's turn. So if you have a Bible, please open it up to Psalm 77. Psalm 77 is a psalm of lament, and we're going to see this practice of turn happen throughout the psalm. It's, psalm 77 was written by a guy named Asaph, and Asaph beautifully walks through this thing of lament. This psalm is filled with honest struggle, real questions, deep questions, and determined trust. It's a classic lament in the Bible. Lament always begins with an invitation. Lament always comes to us in the midst of our pain and invites us to turn our hearts toward God. Look at verses 1 and 2. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. It's a turning to God. I sought the Lord in my day of trouble. My hands were continually lifted up all night long. I refused to be comforted. 
I cry aloud to God. That statement frames this whole psalm. This psalmist, Asaph, who wrote this, is not silent, yet he is still in pain. He's in agony. We're going to see later in the psalm, he's in misery as he's writing this, and he turns to God. He is praying. He's turning. The rest of what we read is references to prayer. Clearly, this psalmist is reaching out to God. He's turning to God in the midst of pain. In the midst of pain, don't miss that. So many times we experience pain and we get over here and we forget God exists. The psalmist says, no, no, no. This is when we turn to God in the midst of it. It takes knowing God to lament God with God properly. Lament declares who God is. When you lament, it's like a statement of faith saying, God is good, he is able, so that's why I can run to him in my pain. Lament gives God glory. Lament is a statement that God can be trusted. Mark Vrograp says this, to pray in pain, even with its messy struggle and tough questions, is an act of faith where we open our hearts to God. When you pray in pain, you're still going and declaring, God, the fact that I'm coming to you in pain tells me that you are able, that you are trustworthy, that you can do this. We're not silent in our pain as Christians. We make it known to God. We invite him in. We've been taught that you just pull your pain inside and be awful quiet and don't say anything. But no, the Christian goes before God and in that place pours out their heart. Look at verses 3 and 4. I think of God. I groan. I meditate. My spirit becomes weak. You have kept me from closing my eyes. I am troubled and cannot speak. It's good to know that praying in the midst of pain doesn't mean the pain immediately goes away. Lament is not like this quick fix formula that you do these four quick steps and everything is fine and it all feels better. That's not lament at all. It's not meant to bring an instant fix or an instant formula. What lament does is it allows us to know God in the sorrows of life. And that is so important. It's so important to know God in the sorrows of life. In fact, I would say your relationship with God is not going to be all it can be until you know God in the sorrows of life. Because it's in the sorrows of life where we know God. If we didn't have sorrows of life, we would never know God's mercy in pain. We never know God's goodness in pain. We never know God's comfort in pain. So it's a necessity to go through sorrows of life and be anchored in who God is. Lament allows us to do that. We don't ditch God in the midst of pain, and we don't fake it and pretend like the pain isn't there. We live in this place where in the sorrows of life, we find God. And it doesn't always feel good, but it's holy, and it's godly. It's lament. Many people who are experiencing pain have tons of questions, right? Why is this happening? God, why are you doing this? This psalmist wasn't any different. Look at verses 5 to 9. He starts to recall what's happening and who God was as he remembered in the past. And then he's going to unleash all these questions. Verse 5, I consider days of old, years long past. At night I remember my music. I meditate in my heart. My spirit ponders. I remember what you're like, O God. And now the psalmist unleashes these questions 
Will the Lord reject forever and never again show favor? Has his faithful love ceased forever? Is his promise at the end of, for all generation? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? You feel the complaint in that? He's pouring that out as he turns to God. Honest, humble, pain-filled questions are part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's part of what it means to walk in this world as a Christian. And when you look at these questions, do you think the person writing this doesn't believe in God? Do you think there's a turning and losing of their faith? No way. They wouldn't write that if they didn't believe who God was and what he could do. It's not a turning of the faith. It's just an expression that actually declares who God is. It's an honest prayer like this that recognizes that pain and suffering create difficult emotions that may not be based in truth. However, they feel true nonetheless. It can feel like God left us. It can feel like God abandoned us. It's not true. He hasn't. But when you're in the midst of sorrow, it feels like God has left, that he's nowhere around. And lament brings us into that reality. Now we'll see prayer that turns our hearts to God. Look at verses 10 to 12. So I say, I am grieved that the right hand of the Most High God has changed. I will remember the Lord's works. Yes, I will remember your ancient wonders. I will reflect on all you've done and meditate your actions. This lament now turns towards the trust. Verse 10 kind of ends the reflecting. It's a very tough passage to translate and interpret. So I say I'm grieved that the right hand of the Most High God has changed. It sounds like God has changed, but that's not what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, this is my sickness. I thought the right hand of God has changed, but he hasn't. Now he starts to turn from the time of question to the time of trust, from tears to trust. Look at verses 11 and 12. I will remember the Lord's works. Yes, I will remember your ancient wonders. I will reflect on all you've done and meditate on your actions. The author remembers and believes who God is. The author turns. There's a shift that's moving from what God has done in history to the character of who God is. Look at verses 13 to 15. God, your way is holy. What God is great like God? You are the God who works wonders. You revealed your strength among the peoples. With power you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The author remembers who God is. As true followers of Jesus Christ, when we go through painful times, there's this tension that takes place. We know God is good. We know that he's in control. But how do you resolve that with the pain that you're feeling? Lament is the way we resolve that tension. The tension of God's goodness and faithfulness in the midst of our pain. And while we are still in pain, lament reminds our hearts of what we know to be true. And the psalmist concludes with the gospel of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you a little heads up before we dive into 16 to 20, and I want you to watch what happens in this psalm. The people of God during the time where the psalm was written 
When they thought about God's character and they wanted to be comforted by who God is, they would always think of one great event that God did in their history. And that was the event of when he went in and he took the slaves out of Egypt. The Israelites were enslaved in Egypt and God freed them. Moses was their deliverer, an instrument of God. He brought them out of slavery in Egypt and they hit the Red Sea. And at the Red Sea, they saw water in front of them. They saw a raging Egyptian army coming down upon them and they had no idea what to do. They were trapped and God opened the Red Sea. And they part, went through the parted Red Sea. And as they went through it, as the last Jewish person crossed and the Egyptian army went in, God closed the sea and took out the Egyptian army. And the people of God of old would always remember that, that God was their deliverer, that God saved them, that he brought salvation. And when they went through hard times, that was the anchor that brought them through. Now with that knowing in your mind's eye, Let's read verses 16 to 20. The water saw you, God. The water saw you, it trembled. Even the depths shook. The clouds poured down water. The storm clouds thundered. Your arrows flashed back and forth. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Lightning lit up the world. The earth shook and quaked. Your way went through the sea, your path through the vast water, but your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. It's a statement of trust. You see, when the people of God were going through a difficult time, that act was an anchor for their weary soul. The act of what God did in that moment was an anchor for their soul. It reminded them of his saving hand. For the Christian today... The anchor is the cross of Jesus Christ. For the Christian today, when we go through run rough times, the cross is the place that we go to where we see on display God's desire to bring broken people close. We see in the cross the place where God is able and willing to enter into the pain of humanity. As Jesus Christ came to earth, he experienced pain and suffering like we will never experience. He experienced temptation like we will never experience. And then he went to the cross and he felt this abandonment from his father as he took on our sin and God had to pour out his sin upon his son. He experienced that. He stepped into it. We don't have a God that can't understand what it's like to live in pain and sorrow. We have a God who embodied it in ways that we will never, ever imagine. And he brought his compassion and his mercy. It's at the cross where pain and promise meet. It's at the cross where mercy and judgment come together. It's at the cross where we find life and hope and healing for what we experience now. It's at the cross where God brings back people who lost their way. It's at the cross where God brings into the arms of people who are hurting and they wonder, will God ever love me? It's at the cross where God brings people who wonder, does he even care? The cross is the place where God's heart is displayed, where pain and truth come together. Lament brings us to the cross. Lament brings us to that place where we move from tears to trust. However, it will never happen if we don't begin by turning to God in our pain. 
It will never happen. We'll never experience that blessing unless we take that first step to turn to God. That's where lament begins. And I look forward to taking taking you through the rest of this process in the coming weeks. I want to encourage you this week, whether you're experiencing pain and difficulty or not, to look at one of these psalms. You can either, the notes are in the church center app, you could take a picture of the screen, you could just jot down these psalms. Here's what I want us to do as a church. I want you to pick one of those. And I want you to take it the time this week and look through one of these and just look at the process of lament that you see in that psalm. Look at what's happening in that psalm. Look at where is the psalmist turning? Where is the psalmist complaining? Where is the psalmist asking? Where is the psalmist declaring their trust? Take one of these this week and just work through it. Sense the realness of it. Sense that when you read these things, you could tell this isn't a person that is just pretending like God is all good, but it really, really hurts. They're letting God have it. They're pouring out their soul. And if you are really, really struggling with a painful thing right now, I'm going to encourage you, don't be silent towards God. Don't be silent towards God, but talk to him. Let him know what's going on and invite him into that struggle. That Pastor Mark Rogop wrote this. He says, no one taught you to cry. Isn't that true? Did you ever think about that? You came out crying. No one taught you to cry. Tears are part of what it means to be human. But to lament is Christian. It's a prayer of faith for the journey between a hard life and God's goodness. That's where we live. Right now we live between a hard life and God's goodness. We need to learn to lament through the tears. The first step is to turn to God in prayer. In lament, you can bring your pain. You can bring your hurt. You can bring your stress. You can bring your sin. You can bring all the things you need that your heavenly Father will give you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this gift of lament. And God... It almost feels like a lost art in 2021. Lord, I pray for us and I pray for your church that we would be people around the globe that would get really, really good at this thing called lament. Because when we lament well, we live out the gospel well. When we lament well, we are brought to you in a deeper way. And when we lament well, we find healing for our souls and we find rest for our souls, and we find satisfaction for our souls. So we dedicate these next few weeks to you as we look at this and ask that you would guide us and teach us into this amazing practice that you've given us in your word. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.